praise the Lord. What a beautiful, worshipful, sweet, sweet presence of the Lord. Thank you again, my friends, for your ministry of music. We so appreciate it. I'm going to talk a little bit more about the ministry of music after a bit. Uh, and, uh, well, I have, I have, as I was thinking and praying about this morning's Sunday morning message, I was just way too much to do uh, in, in one church service, uh, but I think, you know, we'll fit in enough <laughs> anyways, uh, and uh, we're going to do a little bit of review of our Bible moves. We might hear from our friend Detective Dirk Durango, uh, the Apostle Paul may come out, and uh, I have just lots to share, lots to share in this place. Beforehand, I want to say thank you to those uh, many of you that I've had wonderful conversations with throughout the week. I treasure that, and uh, I, there's no coincidence. It's a God thing when we meet together and talk, and I think there's been some really good um, connections made, and uh, I just treasure that. Knowing that in the family of God, we'll see each other, whether I come back to Heartland or here, there, as they say, or in the air, uh, when we all get to heaven. What a day of rejoicing that will be. And uh, I just treasure uh, a little bit of history because this camp is responsible for my family's homeschooling through the years. 25 years ago, I was here and I saw what I see today. Wonderful families relating together with one another in the family and with each other. And I saw such beautiful community and I said, I want that for my family. And so I sat uh, at the payphone over by the cafe, and I, it was kind of a second proposal to my wife. I said, will you homeschool our children with me? And she, being a teacher, was inclined that way, and she said, yes. And uh, so we have, <laughs> yeah, we, ha we have had, a, you know, the equation is complex, homeschooling, public schooling, Christian schooling, throughout the years, but our three children all understand what a beautiful thing it is to be a, a, a family and to learn together and uh, what a powerful thing the homeschool movement is. Salt of the earth, backbone that may preserve our nation for uh, years to come, decades, who knows? Only God knows when, uh, you know, when he'll return. So we can't answer that question, but as long as we have life and breath, We'll stand tall for the Lord. We'll stand against the currents of culture that will surely try to go one way or another, but we know what's true. It's God's word. We'll stand on that. We'll hang on to it, whether we're free to do so or whether they lock us up. Guess what? We'll still preach the gospel, I hope and pray. That's my conviction, and uh, hopefully we'll have the freedom to do that until Jesus comes. But whether or not the earth gives us that freedom, we will speak truth because that's the loving thing to do well this morning we need to my list is long let's review the bible moves okay i need a couple of helpers and we all need to get our arms and muscles you know what i'd like would you pick uh, i need uh, six boys and six girls okay one cotton boys here one two three four you're a girl uh, uh five six boys come on this side now i need six girls okay one two three four five six come on up here and stand on this side okay now the girls over here and the boys over there now we're gonna have a little competition how many of you think the girls are gonna win how many think the boys are gonna win I need two more girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one, two, three, four, five, six. Okay, all in a row right here, boys. Now, like shoulder to shoulder. Yeah, you volunteered. Don't say that. He said the girls will probably win. Oh, we got a review now. Everybody stand up. We're going to review all 66 books. Are you ready? Here we go. Shake out your hands. Did I say please stand on your feet? Oh. I did. No. Oh, you are. Okay. Here we go. 
we forgot to make the noise. Perfect. Thank you. Here we go. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Joshua, Ruth, 1st and 2nd Samuel, 1st and 2nd Kings, 1st and 2nd Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Job, Psalms, Ecclesiastes, and Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentations, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, Hebrews, James, 1st Peter, 2nd Peter, 1st and 2nd, 3rd John, Jude, and Revelation. Give yourselves a big hand. Oh, don't sit down. Now in Spanish. Here we go. Genesis, Exodo, Levitico, Numeros, Deuteronomio. Aren't you impressed? <laughs> no, I do not speak Spanish. Yes, I do know all 66 books in Spanish. Just pat me on the back right there. Thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, you know, because I, I don't know. I taught my last kid's church. I, I taught them English and Spanish because, you know, we had a, a, you know, a lot of different races in Des Moines. And so there you go. Different languages. So uh, if you want those, call or text or write or something, and I'll send them to you. I have a little booklet that explains them in Spanish. Okay. You sit down. You stand here. Okay, everybody. Boys, face me. Girls, face me. Here's what we're going to do, okay? I'm going to say a book of the Bible, and the first one of you to do it, we're going to do single elimination, okay? Because... <laughs> <laughs> no, you may not just die now. <laughs> you can do this. Jada's very smart, but you might beat her. You just never know. Okay? And so uh, the first one to do it, you, you would go, if you win, just imagine, okay? If you, <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> if you won, you would go to the back of the line and stay in the group. Then it's your turn, okay? If you win, you go to the back of the line. If you die... Back to your seat, okay? You ready? I might do the hand motion. I might say the book. I'll stay with English. Okay, here we go. Let's try the book of Psalms. Who knows it out here? Look at, see? They know it. Oh, yeah, okay. We'll give you one mercy. Okay, go to the back of the line. We'll just let you stay. Because I'm a merciful person, because God is, you know. Okay, you ready? Okay, here we go. Let's try this book. What is this book? That is correct. Oh, he, he beat you. Go sit down. Now you go back. There we go. What's this book? Show me the book of Daniel. Oh, he beat you by a claw. Bye-bye. Go sit down. Okay, what's this one? Let's try this book. Tell me, what's this book? She was correct. Oh, good job, though. Go sit down. Oh, my goodness. Here we go. Let's try the book of Ecclesiastes. No, that's not it. <laughs> it's a hard one. You got five seconds or you're both dead.
show us Ecclesiastes. There you go. The big book of why. That was a hard one. Too bad. You're done. Okay. My mercy ran out on the other kid. Okay. <laughs> oh, don't be ready. Well, good. It's good that you're ready to die. You know, we all should be. Yes. <laughs> Me too. I am. Okay. How about this book? Uh, tell me this book. Esther is correct, isn't it? <laughs> Here you are, still. Five against one. No problem. <laughs> okay, let's try. Let's see. Oh, show me first and second Corinthians. Two letters of correction. You're both dead. The girls win. No, that's not. You're, this is First and Second Corinthians. You're thinking of Chronicles, Chronicles, not Corinthians. They're very similar. They really are. I want to tell you a little bit about my ministry in hospice, and to introduce a topic for us that is very important. We talked about being ready to die, and uh, we all need to do that. And uh, as I have learned things, I um, I got to get a pick. Um, I I just it's so such a profound thing in my life and ministry that I want to share it with you. Just just a brief testimony. I was uh, born in Minnesota, raised in a very nice family we went to church every sunday but i was i remember walking home from church one day we only lived three blocks from church and i i had this conviction all i have to do to go to heaven is be a nice kid and i was a nice kid but i wasn't really saved that's not what the bible teaches and at age 15 i i have to say this uh, before age 15 i was prepared with bible stories Good living, loving family, nice town, Fergus Falls, Minnesota. Didn't have really any significant trauma whatsoever. But at age 15, I went on my first job. My dad got it for me. He sent me off to the circus. <laughs> well, he had a friend who had a concessions business, and they needed kids to sell snow cones and hot dogs and stuff. And I, got, I was one of those kids. Six weeks, they put me on a bus and sent me to the other side of the state. And I had one little bag, and guess who met me at the bus stop? Nobody. <laughs> so I sat there. All of a sudden, a big truck came up, and they said, you, Brian? Uh-huh. Hop in. So for six weeks, we ran around Minnesota, and I, I learned lots of things about selling hot dogs and snow cones. I make a really good snow cone. And... Uh, it was very interesting. And one morning, the uh, we were in Farmington, Minnesota, and two of my co-workers said, hey, Brian, you want to come along? And we're going to have a Bible study. I'd slept under the truck that day because, you know, nice summer day, no problem. I thought to myself, well, it couldn't hurt. I was a good kid. But there on an empty grandstand in Farmington, Minnesota, I heard for the first time that God loved me so much. He sent his son to die for me so that if I put my faith in him, I could have relationship with him. God loved me that much. He wanted to have relationship with me. He sent Jesus to die in my place so that I wouldn't have to pay the penalty for my sin because he did it for me. And I remember having a very, very real born-again experience on that grandstand. Let's see, that would have been 45 years ago, maybe 46. <laughs> and I've never doubted since that day that I'm a child of God, born of the Spirit. We sang about the breath that came into me that day, and I knew I was different. I knew I was a Christian. I wrote my mom a letter. I said, hey, Mom, Dad, I'm a Christian now. And their response, put yourself in their place. Their response was, we didn't think you ever weren't a Christian. 
because that was their type of belief. That's what the church taught, be a nice kid. But I knew I was different, born again. And I wish that everybody could have such a bold experience, such a vivid contrast between not saved, saved, unborn, born again, born of the Spirit. And that Spirit has been within me for a long time. As a young man, I, I went through junior college, and uh, then I traveled with a group called the Covenant Players based down in um, Los Angeles area. And that's when I received more of God's Spirit and got called into the ministry. And my calling was just do what needs to be done. They said, I kept, people kept saying, Brian, you should be a good, you'd be a good pastor. Did you ever think of being a pastor? Maybe you should be a pastor. Well, why don't you be a pastor? And I, I thought, maybe I should. <laughs> I didn't really know what I was getting into. But I thought, okay, because I knew I couldn't, just, I couldn't just produce widgets or work with uh, things. I had to work with people. Love people. Always have. And so I went to Bible College at North Central Bible College in Minnesota. I went as a, after a, a two-year degree. I took those two years off. I, I finished it double major in pastoral studies and behavioral science as well and uh and then opportunity came i was sitting in the counseling office one day and a pastor came in he said hey brian why don't you come do some drama at my church and he said or, and i said to him okay well take me on as a summer intern and i will and he said okay and that was my job interview <laughs> just like that well, what it involved was living with him and his family at the, in the church house there. And for two years, I served as the youth pastor. Sort of like being in the desert <laughs> for me because it wasn't a great fit. But in that same church then, the head guy moved on and the, the assistant became the head pastor. And they said, Brian, we want you to be our children's pastor. And that's when I found a really good fit. And so I was their children's pastor for five years and uh, then moved on to a dramatic ministry for seven years, went back to a children's pastor position and another children's pastor position. Short story that takes us to Des Moines, Iowa, where I was for seven years. And the church then, uh, I asked them for a sabbatical. They said, we don't give sabbaticals, but here's a severance package. I said, thank you very much. So I got my sabbatical, and I served in another church. But then the Lord opened the door to me for hospice chaplaincy. You know, when you graduate from Bible college, nobody says, oh, I want to be a hospice chaplain. No, we're all excited about leading people to Christ in the introductory way, when they're young, so that they live for him here all these years. And that was my desire, too, as a children's pastor. I don't know how many children I led to Christ or how many. I never kept track or notched my belt. I, only God really knows how that worked. But I uh, faithfully did that ministry. And now guess what? It's a whole different definition of leading people to Christ. Because when I go into someone's room where I know that they're, they will pass soon from this life, they will step into eternity. And I stand there at the door and I get to introduce them to Jesus forever. And that's pretty profound. Remember early in the week we talked about the sequence of creation. How time began on day four. With the, when God made the sun and the moon and the stars. Guess what? The scripture says those will disappear. Time will be no more. And so a phrase I've come to use is this. Not so much death as, oh no, so sad, so sorry. Death as stepping out of time into eternity. <laughs> That's amazingly wonderful. When I say to people, oh, I'm a hospice chaplain, a lot of them are like, oh, well, that must be sad. 
And I'm never sad to go to work because I know what is beyond. I know that this world is a, a kind of a thin vapor. I, I was, uh, I'll try to tell this story without crying. <laughs> it's about my dad who passed 25 years ago. And every, every year we go to the lake where his ashes are scattered. Don't tell the DNR, okay? <laughs> Not... Well, we were ignorant at the time. We scattered some of his ashes in the lake. And uh, I go to that spot every year. Brings me peace. I guess that's the way of honoring him and all the contributions that he made to my life. And as I was there this summer, floating on a kayak, just me and God and the birds, I was floating and I noticed that there was the beautiful calm surface of the water and then a very thin line of trees and then the big blue expanse of sky. And what came to me in that moment was that thin line, that expanse of trees, that's this life. That's this life that we live for 61, 6, 106, however many years, not much more than 100 nowadays. But it's thin compared to eternity. And it's going to be a beautiful thing when we get there. We won't be encumbered by the dad bod. <laughs> no aches or pains, no wrinkles. Silver hair. I don't have gray. It's silver. I won't have any vanity. <laughs> or pride will fall at the feet of Jesus and thank him and praise him and I have a suspicion that if we see that veil between this life and eternity as sin I hope and pray that the view is just as good from up there down here and that they're watching the, the scripture says there's a great cloud of witnesses I hope my dad is there I hope he's proud of me. The smile you see is not mine. It's my mom. She wore that smile at the church office every day. This heart of compassion is not mine. It comes from my grandfather, whom I barely knew. My mom's dad and my dad's dad, who was a godly man as well, generous and compassionate, never knew him. My dad's mom, who wrote to him in the service about his faith, she said, Jeannie boy, that was her nickname for him, told him to act right and do right as a, a good Christian young man. As far as I know, he did. Sunday school teacher beautiful people, but I can't know of their salvation. God knows. I hope that they're there. And I expect to see them. And I carry all of that into every day when I go to visit my patients. The hospice, the definition of hospice has grown quite a bit uh, in the recent years. It didn't exist when my parents passed, but now it's a, it's a community of uh, uh, companies that bring hospice care to the patient whether that's in a nursing home or a private home, wherever that is. It's not any longer just that one house where you go to die. And that's an old definition. It's far too narrow. The hospice people I know today and work with are wonderful, big-hearted people of many faith traditions. Not all Christian by any means, but they bring love and compassion and care to people that we understand medically will soon breathe their last. And to me, it's a, I'll tell you what I bring as a chaplain. I have four medicines. One is my happy heart. The Bible says that's good medicine. A merry heart does good like medicine. And so I bring happiness and joy. 
Of course, I pray for them. Not only for the patients, but the main prayer is hope. Peace. Peace that passes understanding. And hope for heaven. We, uh, the Bible says the great, with these things remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. We get that. We kind of get faith. But what about hope? That's where I dwell every day. Hope is the evidence of things not seen. or That's faith, I think. But anyway, <laughs> we hope in what we don't see as well. But we know it's there. We hope it's there. We expect it to be there. And quite often I rehearse the scenario when people pass from time into eternity, they're going to see their loved ones again. Jesus will be there calling them by name. He's got a big job because there's a lot of people who die every day in this world. Hopefully there's a ton of Christians going up. He's calling them by name and all the families there, all the friends, remembering in beautiful, recognizable form, saying, welcome home. Huge hugs, tears of joy, laughter, and fragrance, and I'm pretty sure the smell of bacon. <laughs> I hope there's bacon. going to be a wonderful thing so i bring hope i bring a happy heart scripture prayer and music here's one last thing before we talk to the apostle paul this morning i want to broaden your definition of the ministry of music now david the bible tells us took his harp when king saul was in a bad mood and when he played his harp the bad mood went away mostly <laughs> well, that's what I do every day, and thank God there's no spears in the room that I go to. And they're not King Saul. They're not possessed with all sorts of evil. They're just people, and sometimes they're responding to me and other times not. But most often the music comforts them. I play these chords, and I don't know if you feel comfort. I do. And I play the old hymns. My song list is short, and we've sang so many of them this week. Thank you for, for singing them. The old rugged cross, how great thou art. Amazing grace. Sing along. How sweet the sound. That saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. Was grace that taught my heart. And grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear. The hour I first believed. Most often I go through all the verses. I recall singing that where in one room everyone was clustered around dear old mom they were not happy I said just let me play for a bit I pulled out my guitar and I sang Amazing Grace and a few others and one of the daughters she, she just looked up at me she said there's, there's a peace here that wasn't here before that's God that's the Holy Spirit. He brings the comfort. I know a few songs. I'm an adequate strummer of the guitar. But God inhabits that music and he comforts people. This is a ministry of comfort. 
You may not, you may love music and love to play, but never ever would dare to step here where Peter and Debbie and, and Lo- Logan, that other kid, yeah. <laughs> I, it is Logan, right? Legion. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, you don't have to step up here to be a minister of music. You might take your guitar to where an aged grandmother or grandfather is or someone who just needs comfort and sing to them the songs that are familiar. I sing the old songs because that's the ones they know. And it was so beautiful. The other day I was in a dementia unit. One of ours, I think she's 99. She doesn't talk anymore. She mainly just sits. And when she's awake, I go and I start out the song. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me. Yes, Jesus loves me, the Bible tells me so. Guess what? My little old lady was singing along. She doesn't use present language. She can't anymore, but Jesus loves me is way down in the depths of her heart and her memory. She sang the old rugged cross with me, and it was a comfort, a comfort to her. That's a ministry of music, and I want to both enlighten you and challenge you. Perhaps that will be your ministry of music. I love this ministry of music, but it's not the only one. I love to lead people into worship, teach them the attributes of God through song. It's a great way to remember stuff deep theology so many of our hymns but this is not the only place it happens and i hope that's encouraging to you i've discovered it after 30 years of of ministry and it's so rewarding and oftentimes i'm seen as oh he's the 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 singing chaplain which is great but let me just say this in conclusion it is not entertainment entertainment is good people like to be entertained but what I do is one level above that because it's spiritual comfort some many people are they they may confuse it with entertainment but it's really a, a higher purpose than that it reminds them of their faith and draws them closer to God that's a ministry thing not only entertainment so i hope that expands your thinking a little bit and please talk to me if you have any uh thoughts about it and um, we'll talk more all right good next thing (laughs) i'm not done preaching oh no 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 i just wanted to hopefully give you a little bit i'm gonna put that back where peter would put it here we go It'll be there for you, buddy. (laughs) It's time to take off the fuzzy shirt because I'm getting too warm. There we go. Who wants to hear from the Apostle Paul this morning? Paul, are you ready to talk to us? Uh, Well, (coughs) just a minute. Hold on. (coughs) Okay. I feel much better now. (coughs) You got beanie head. <laughs> my hair's a little messy because I was wearing my beanie earlier. You heard a bed head? No, you got beanie head. What's your excuse? Uh, luggage head. Okay, okay. <laughs> well, listen, Paul, we've been learning your scriptures this week. Yeah. We've been talking about uh, lots of things this week. As a matter of fact, you told us yesterday uh-huh. that you're going to come in the flesh tonight. Yeah. That's right. I'm excited to see that. Yeah, me too. 
I hope you're excited too. Are you? Good. They're awake. You didn't put them to sleep. Okay, that's good. <laughs> Maybe they were just comforted. Yeah, yeah. Keep telling yourself that. Okay. Uh, listen, I wanted to know what you did for a living when you were uh, apostling and stuff. Oh, well, see, I was a tent maker. Really? Like, what kind of tents? Like camping tents and stuff? Well, not like what you have today. Well, they were made out of uh, animal hides and stuff like that. We sold them to people who went, you know, out in the fields and stuff. And, uh, you know, they were okay. Well, didn't you make really good tents? Oh, yeah. The finest quality tents by the Apostle Paul. He was right on the label. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, uh, why do you say they're just okay? Well, they're not as good as a house. Duh. Yeah. Well, let me ask these people. Raise your hand if you'd rather live in a tent than a house. Well, just a few adventurous people. How many we would rather live in a house than a tent? Oh, there's the sensible ones. Ladies and men. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, you know, that's, uh, that's kind of interesting that you could make a living. Why didn't you just build houses? Well, uh, that's a long, long story. But let me tell you the good news and the bad news about tents. What's that? Tents don't last forever. That's. Is that the good news or the bad news? You decide. <laughs> but a house is an awesome thing. Now, let me tell you something. You live in a tent. Wait a, wait a minute. You've been to my house. I live in a house in Des Moines, Iowa. No, no. This. This thing here. That is a tent. <laughs> I'm not quite sure what, in your, what you're getting at. Well, this thing is temporary. Oh, you told, so you say my house is like a tent? Yeah. Well, then where's my house? Up there. You mean in that parachute? <laughs> Wait a minute. No, 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 not in the parachute. No, in heaven. You see, God is building you a tent. Uh, no. He's building you a house. Oh, I think I get it. So this body, their bodies. Yeah, all of our bodies are temporary. And when we go to be with the Lord... We'll be in heaven, in a heavenly house the Lord is building for us. Oh, boy, I'll bet it's awesome. It's going to be wonderful, isn't it? Yeah, and it lasts forever. No bugs, no mold, no rust. No, it's going to be on the streets of gold. It's going to be wonderful. And how long will we get to live there? Always. Really? Forever. That's amazing. That's something to look forward to, isn't it? Yeah, I hope so. Uh, do you have any other way that you describe heaven? Oh, yeah. Well, see these trees around here? Yeah, they're beautiful. They're amazing. See that pine tree over there? Yeah. Does it look like a pine cone? Well, no, I, I don't think so. You can hold a pine cone in your hand. Yeah, you can't hold that tree in your hand, can you? No, you can't. <laughs> well, see, that is like the body that will raise forth. And this body, yeah, it's an acorn or a pine cone or a seed. It's only temporary, and it's going to fall into the ground. But what rises up is eternal, bigger than a tree. It's awesome. Wow, that's pretty interesting stuff. Do you mean that's for everybody? They're going to get that? Well, yeah, and those who know the Lord Jesus, like, you and me, we're going to have a wonderful dwelling in heaven with Jesus. That's fantastic. <laughs> I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, me too. Well, listen, Paul, I've got to move on to something else. But does anyone have a question for Paul they want to ask him this morning? 
anything at all. Yeah, what's your question? Yeah. How old are you, Paul? Um, really old. Older than him. <laughs> I think, doesn't the Bible say that, well, you, I'm trying to think that you died before you were um, 100, but I don't know how old. You need to study up, son. I guess so. Any other questions? Yes, sir. How do you float in the air? I'm floating in the air! I think the answer is my legs are too short to, le to reach the ground. That's a good question. Oh, my one last question for the Apostle Paul. Well, yes, young lady right there. Mm -hmm. Who does your hair? You don't like my hair? <laughs> it's his fault. I'm sorry, Paul. I'll try to do better, okay? Yeah, do better, because I like that girl. She's cute. <laughs> hey everybody say goodbye to paul okay goodbye follow jesus oh my goodness well i'll tell you something that paul is quite a character um this morning i think we better hear from detective dirk durango too don't you yep yep Detective Dirk is, uh, he's on the job, and uh, he has a case that helps us understand a little bit more about how it is we go about getting a relationship with God. And so as soon as I can get all dressed here, we'll, keep, we'll hear the case of the good confession. Confessions, yes. Ha! I'm Detective Dirk Durango, Chief Investigator on the Heresy Squad of the Doctrine Division of the Church of God. And this is my partner, the Holy Spirit. You can't see it. But he's always there. We walk our beat like a kid in a toy shop. When you want the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, we'll find it. We are the truth team. I was driving down the streets of my town, California, that sunny Tuesday morning when I got a call from headquarters. Yeah, they wanted me to go in and interrogate a suspect. Well, I... Uh, Turned my heavy-duty police cruiser around. My detective cruiser pulled into the parking spot at the My Town County Courthouse. Went down those gray stairs to the third level of the basement. Went down a few ways and took the third door on the left. There I entered a small gray room. The walls were gray, the ceiling a discreet shade of gray. On that ceiling hung one 60-watt light bulb, and underneath that light bulb, there was a guy I knew. Yeah, I knew him from his strange-looking hairdo, that ugly-looking T-shirt, and there was dirt under his fingernails, and uh, his belt buckle said one word, tough. I knew that this was none other than Mr. Tough Guy, one of the local criminals here in my town. Except there was something different about Mr. Tough Guy this day. You see, on the desk in front of him, there was a book. Not just any book. The book. The good book. The holy book. The Bible. As I entered that room, I turned on my super sleuth detective de tape recorder and said, uh, The facts, mister. Just give me the facts. He said, God bless you, Detective Dirk. And I knew it would be an interview I did not expect. Well, Mr. Tough Guy started by telling me how he'd grown up. 
He was the 12th of 13 children in a crime-ridden family. He told me his first crime had been uh, pouring hot sauce into his little sister's oatmeal. <laughs> yeah, it got worse from there. In grade school, he was stealing milk money, lunches, bullying kids on the playground, spinning them on the merry-go-round until they blew chunks. Well, he got worse in junior high, extorting uh, money, stealing, petty burglary, and started to dabble with tobacco and other unhealthy substances. Uh, Why, well, he dropped out of high school and began dealing drugs. That's when I stopped him. I said, uh, tell me something I don't know, Mr. Tough Guy. Well, that's when he said one day, when he was uh, eating a stolen candy bar, he got a feeling right here in his heart. It wouldn't go away. That's when he went down to the My Town Christian Church. He walked right into that pastor's office. He said, hey, I got a bad feeling in my heart. That won't go away. What are you going to do about it? That's when the pastor said, uh, Mr. Tough Guy, you've got to confess. He said, confess? What's that? He said, you've got to tell God you're sorry for every bad thing you've ever done. Confess it to him. And then confess the things that you forgot you did that were probably bad. Well, he started with the hot sauce incident. And he went on through all those bad things. The many ways he'd hurt people with his actions and his words throughout the years. When he was done, he turned to the pastor. He said, uh, I feel kind of better. The pastor said, wait, Mr. Tough Guy, there's one more thing you have to confess. He said, what's that? You have to confess Jesus is your Lord. Ask him to cleanse you from all your sins. Well, that was the day when Mr. Tough Guy knelt there in the pastor's office and confessed Jesus to be his Lord and Savior, understanding that he had paid the price for Mr. Tough Guy's bad influence. All the hurt, all the sin, all the penalty of that sin was gone because what of Jesus did on the cross. Well, that was the day when Mr. Tough Guy became Mr. Nice Guy. He opened that book in front of him and he turned to a passage. He said, hey, listen to this, Detective Dirk. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. <laughs> he poked his stubby finger into that page, and then he said, uh, that's me. Well, I turned off my super sleuth detective recorder. This man's confession was now a matter of public record. And I uh, understood that Mr. Tough Guy had already begun repaying his debt to society by uh, planting flowers along the sidewalk leading to the My Town County Courthouse. Well, as I walked out of that interrogation suite, I felt good, knowing that uh, now <laughs> Mr. Tough Guy was on my side, and now a part of the truth team. The events in this episode are made up, but they're not fiction. They're designed to teach divine truth and are not for entertainment alone. Any similarity to real life or real people is not coincidence. It's the work of God. I'm Detective Dirk Durango, Chief Investigator on the Heresy Squad of the Doctrine Division, and this is my partner, the Holy Spirit. Say it with me. You can't see him, but he's always there. That's why I walk my beat with confidence, and you can too, when you become a part of the Truth Team. See you later, kiddo. Good old Detective Dirk. Now I really am going to conclude <laughs> with a story. Another story. A true story from my life. Story and a song, and then we're going to pray. Because we could talk about coming to know Jesus for a long time, but if I never gave you an opportunity to actually receive him, We'd be missing something. 
It happened once when I was a child in Minnesota. There was a place called Broken Down Dam, which was exactly what it said. There was a small river, the Otter Tail River, and there was a, uh, an earthen and concrete dam. And apparently the history tells us that a, a dam further up river, river had broken and all the water came rushing down and hit Broken Down Dam and broke it down. And that's how it was when I was a kid. And it became a destination. The Boy Scouts had a camp upriver, and the place was kind of preserved as a sort of a relic, a place to go. And uh, I don't exactly remember how old I was, but I must have been 10 or less. I was small, but I was weak. And it was a time when we were kind of hiking with some folks and we wanted to go out onto the rocks of this dam and the river was still going and the water was still rushing but well, we had a good time and it, the group was about ready to go back home and I found myself on a, a sort of boulder I suppose it was a chunk of concrete and the shore was way over there and I was too short to reach it I was lost I was afraid I I was sure I was crying. And I don't know who it was, but somebody came to me. And he said, I don't know, I don't remember exactly what he said, but in his mind, he saw somebody needed help. He said, I can help. I'll save that kid. So how he did it was this. He stood on the shore, and it was, it was tall enough to lean across and and brace himself on the rock. And I recall he had a cast on his arm. And he said, come on. Use me like a bridge. Just step on that. Just go ahead. Come on. He made himself a bridge across from that, from that bank to the rock. And I, I remember stepping onto his arm and crawling across his back and crawling up on shore. And I was saved. I don't remember his name. I don't remember thanking him. I just remember feeling such relief and happiness. The fear of Death was gone because that person made a bridge. Now, he could have stayed there all day, but if I hadn't stepped on him, trusted him, I'd still be lost. Maybe fallen into that river and drowned, but I did trust him. And many years later, I realized what a beautiful illustration that is of salvation. Because Jesus has made that bridge for us across the chasm between paying for our own sin or allowing him to pay for us. But we have to trust. We have to simply say yes. I believe. We don't need to necessarily understand it all. Sometimes that's a barrier for us to, to trust. Because whether we understand it or not, we can trust and walk across that bridge and be saved. Maybe the understanding comes after. And so this morning... I want to give you an opportunity to step down onto that bridge. An opportunity to confess like Dirk, like uh, Mr. Tough Guy did, your sin to God. And trust that what Jesus said he did, what Paul says Jesus did is true. He died for us. God sent him for that very purpose. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And that by believing in him, confessing with our mouth 
Jesus is Lord and believing that God has raised him from the dead, we shall be saved. All that call upon him will be saved. He doesn't want anybody to be lost. Perish. Not any soul. At whatever point you are today, maybe this morning you get it. You understand it a little better. So as I sing this song, I want you in your heart, in your mind, to create a space where you're talking to him. Maybe you're confessing. I'm sorry, Lord, I did all that stuff. Please forgive me. I receive you into my heart as my Savior. You're the guy who made the bridge. Looks like a cross where you laid down your life, you poured out your blood that my sins be washed away, that I might have the promise of life forever in heaven. Jesus did that for you. God sent his Holy Spirit to impress this, implore upon you. Now's the time of salvation. Just say yes. He is not going to force you because it's your choice simply to believe. I want to sing this song and uh, then we'll pray. Softly and tenderly Jesus is calling calling for you and for me earnestly eagerly waiting and watching watching for you and for me come home come home all who are weary come home softly and tenderly Jesus is calling calling oh sinner come home why do we tarry when Jesus is calling calling for you and for me on the portals he's waiting and watching watching for you and for me come home come home all who are weary come home softly and Tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling, oh sinner, come home. Heavenly Father, I pray that you've received many people, and I know you have, in, when this song has been played throughout the years. I know that you're waiting for us to receive salvation. And Father, for those who have made that prayer this morning, I ask you to give them clarity. Help them to know they're born again. Help them to know their sins have been forgiven, washed away by the cleansing blood of Christ. Help them to know with certainty they have the promise of eternal life. When we step from time into eternity, Help them to know they have a warm welcome waiting when that moment happens. I pray the peace of God and the presence of the Holy Spirit for each one. And Lord, give them the conviction and the courage to confess this to their loved ones, pastors, friends. And Lord, that your presence now in their hearts and minds would begin to make a difference, would begin to bring healing and peace and cleansing and self-worth, all those riches that you have promised us. We thank you for it. In the 
wonderful name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.